was it like 86, 87? I don't even want to guess what episode this is of Dropping the Axe and Unofficial Hunter Hunter podcast. I'm named after Foxy Brown, and I'm joined by Ed the Crimson. Hey guys, we're back. You probably won't hear this till forever, but it's okay. <laughs> Once again, Diego is con- inconspicuously absent, if you care about him. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, give him your hopes and prayers. He's probably running from the Mexican drug cartel. Or he's, you know, dead or something. Dead. That, that too. You know. So we got two episodes to discuss. Episode 104, titled Doubt and Hesitation. And episode 105, Resolve and Awakening. And the two episodes basically both continue the A and B plotline of um, the Gungi match, or the series of Gungi matches, between um, the King and Kamugi, as well as the ongoing battle between... Um, Morale and Chitu and um, Leol's trickery. Or what he thinks is trickery, anyways. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't know that his kung fu treachery is too weak. Very weak. He should have threw it before he walked into the room, but he <laughs> didn't. So, leaving off in 103 was... Um, the fight between Chitu and Moral, where um, Chitu was still trying to entice him into playing his game of tag, and Moral is like, fuck this, I'm going to sleep. And you have Chitu basically decide he's not going to fall for this, um, and it'll probably be way easier if I just fight him. And in his desperation, he forms um, a Crossbow. With crossbow a, claw. With a claw on the end. Yes. And Morales is just like, you're just going from dumb to dumber here. Like, it's cool that you came up with an ability on the fly, but it really isn't going to help you with me, the guy that turns into smoke. Yes. It's like, why would you make a weapon that's slower than you are, super speed, man? He's like, fuck. I guess I'll, I'll just try to kill you. And he tries, He does get to stab um, Morale pretty good. It looks all intense and blood everywhere. And then you remember that he's a guy that can make smoke copies of himself. So he Which wins. he did. Yep. He touches him on the shoulder and explains that um, while I looked like I was sleeping, I turned my back to you, made a smoke copy... Then you smoked to cover myself. I made it look like bushes. And then I crawled all the way around. Um, and it's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, how you like kind of slowly use... Uh, you made the copy. Then uh, used the smoke to cover himself with fake leaves. Or, I'm sorry, fake grass. And he touches him. As soon as he does that, the... Illusion kind of shatters, and G2 is just like, well, I guess you won. Um, so he's like, wait, wh- wh- where are you going? He's like, um, well, I can only use that ability up to up until I get caught, and then it's locked away from me forever. And I'm just like, well, that's just... I understand that you have to wager stuff to make the ability strong, but that's just senseless. That's very dumb, yeah. And he's like, well, I'll go ask um, Pito for a new power, and he like jumps away. Like, peace out. Um, Morales is like, okay, 
whatever weirdo. Um, and they all had put in a request um, for backup. And he gets Welfin and the lobster guy, whose name I always forget. Always, because only Welfin ends up being important. Spoiler. And um, when they show up, they're like, hey, um, where's the dragonfly guy? Whose name I also keep forgetting. Yeah, and I think I was calling him Hagia before. I think that's actually Leol's old name. That is Leol's old name. Yeah, so. Um, now I have zero idea. <laughs> So, he, um, Leol buys himself some, some time, basically, by, um, using his ability in front of them, but disguising it so that they don't know it's his ability. Um, this his ability is basically to create IOUs, and they go in and they explain the whole thing where, um, the conditions of his ability are he has to know the name of it, um, the ability that he's gonna borrow, or see it used. And then he must do a favor for the user of the ability. In this case, they show him um, saving the dragonfly dude from drowning, which I don't know if that really happened, or that was just a really silly example. Yes. And then, Oh, um, dragonfly's name is Flutter. Right. Which we should be able to figure out, because it's a bug. Yep. Um, then he has to... Um, he also has to know the name of the owner of the ability. And... It can be used, I think, one time per favor done for the other person. And all that's recorded in his, what looks like a gum dispenser thing. And he pulls out and he uses um, Flutter's ability. And the dragonflies come out and he's like, okay, we're going to use this to search for the guy in the suit. And then we're going to kill him. And they're all like, sweet, let's do this. Yay. Hooray. Um, Billy's called Super Eye with the satellite dragonflies. Um, the like I almost called it a fight. The match between the king and Kumugi continues, um, where the king is sitting there feeling all smug because he's finally gonna beat her, and he uses something that I don't. I don't know what it is. He calls this tactic remote concealment. Uh, and Kamugi is just sitting there like, and hesitates. He's like, yes, I got this shit. And then she beats him. And he is just After like, a long pause, and he's like, and I think, uh, was it a Pufu? Yeah. He notes that, oh, wow, this is the first time she didn't make a move like right away. And the king is understandably upset because she knew she'd won, um, basically as soon as he did it. But the pause made him believe that it was possible for him to have won, and he's he's hurt by this. And he's like, bitch, why'd you do this shit, or I'll kill you. And yes. she's like, no, you gotta understand... Um, I came up with that technique 10 years ago, and at the time, I thought I was super smart because nobody knew how to defeat it uh, until the day that I was playing one of the other masters, and he used it against me. And so in that moment, I had to come up with a way to defeat that technique. And once I did, it was erased from all the books, and it was never taught again. So seeing that you 
who she refers to as the supreme leader since he's taken Diego's place. It's like, since you came up with it yourself, that makes me feel really awesome um, that someone as great as you could think of something, think of the same thing that someone as um, lowly as me came up with. But it's also like this feeling of sadness because to her, that move was like her ch like birthing a child. Um, and taking care of or whatever. And then when she faced that guy in battle, it's like she had to kill it. And she she felt happiness again because it was like the child was giving an opportunity to live again. And the king is just like, this is a bunch of sentimental bullshit. I'm going to go. <laughs> you go to sleep. When I come back, we're not going to stop. We're going to play until I win. And he like stalks off and Poofu is like, this woman is going to be trouble. I can see that because he's never listened to someone just talk um, without interrupting or possibly killing them. So, Especially killing them. So we can already start to see a shift um, in his, his tolerance and his personality a bit. And Poofu doesn't like what he sees. Yes. So that is, I think that's basically what happened in 104. Yeah. Um, only other thing that happens is the king um, thinking about those matches uh, in his throne room, I guess. Mm -hmm. Or just while sitting on the throne. I guess the whole time that Kamugi is sleeping, he's just thinking about those matches, and he's he thinks like he's the only one that's getting flustered, but he's okay with that, and he's the only one losing. But he feels that under normal circumstances he would get pissed, but he's he's enjoying the competition, and he doesn't understand why. And he does not like that. So, episode 105 um, sort of continues from that exact moment um, of Kamugi talking about this child um, that she had through Gungi, and then the king stalking off, and, and like you said, um, thinking about, you know, why doesn't this bother me as much as it should have? Because before, every time it happened, I've basically... Um, been incensed and it was his whole plan to throw her off her game and she's managed to turn that around on him without it seems intending to yes. uh, and because she's this kind of silly helpless person who clearly would choke and die on her own like snot if she wasn't being monitored all the time yes so after he's, he's thought about all this, he goes back into the room and he's like, what the fuck? Then I tell her to go to sleep. And Yuppie's like, yeah, she just kind of went to sleep right here. And, you know, and he looks at her and like the snot still in her nose. And there's like a river of water coming out of her open mouth. Um, it's all over the place. Really disgusting. And she's breathing while sleeping in it. And he wakes her up and he's like, okay, we're going to do this. But we're going to make this interesting. Um, we're going to make a bet. And I will give you any one thing that you ask for if you beat me in the next game. And 
It's like, she's like, okay, I don't know what I could possibly ask for from you. But, um, he says if she loses, that he'll cut off her left arm. He's like, okay, um, but let me tell you a little something about me. And I'm kind of a worthless human being. Um, then she talks about how the people that play Gungi barely make any money unless they, they're representing their country. And that's when the big bucks come in once they start winning um, on the international level. But once they lose, um, they're pretty much like done um, career-wise. She's like, to my family, as a person that was always sickly, and she's like the youngest of like 10 children or 12, um, I was always kind of a burden up until I started playing Gungi and started making money and taking care of my family. But once I lose, I'll become a useless person to them again. And the king is like, I didn't sign up for this sob story, but now she's making me feel feelings. Yes. And I don't like this. And she, she said that she'd basically, um, like, if he won, he'd just be getting the arm of a useless person. Um, a person who's garbage or lower than garbage. So it'd be better to just wager her life because that's what yeah. she's always done while playing Gungi. And the king's just like, well, damn. Like, I was just trying to, to throw you off your game, but clearly that I'm the person who wasn't coming at this seriously. And you've always been extremely serious about this. He's like, okay, well, since, since I tried something low and the wager was for you to lose your arm, he just, like, grabs his, uh, his hand, his arm, his left arm with his other hand and just, like, pulls the whole arm out. Yeah, just, like, very nonchalantly, like, all right. Here we go. Please accept this apology. And he just, like, drops it on the floor in front of him. And, like, the blood spray just shoots on her face. Yes. And she's just like, um, what? And then Pufu just, like, flips out. It's like, oh, my God, King, why'd you do this? This doesn't make any sense. And he just, like, smacks him away. Like, don't touch me into the wall. And Pufu is insistent, like... Dude, this is your whole arm. Like, you need this. You can't reduce your body to less because of this woman who doesn't even know it happened. And he's like, look, I know I'm kind of out of my depth here and I shouldn't be talking to you like this, but even if you kill me, please let, um, let us put your arm back on. I like the king initially was just like, after um, Pufu tied the tourniquet around his arm, just like okay, whatever, uh, let's go, let's get back to playing. And meanwhile, his blood is soaking <laughs> up the tourniquet. Just like you're gonna bleed to death, dude. Um, and he was ready to just kill Pufu for even daring to suggest that he should accept medical attention. Yes. He's like, <laughs> no, I made a big boy decision to, to take off my arm, and I'm not gonna let you ruin that are you gonna let me look like a fool <laughs> in front of this woman who can't see what's going on right now <laughs> and um Kamugi interrupts and is like um supreme leader sir it's cool that you cut off your arm and you're that serious and you're offering it to me I don't know what for because I have two arms and they both work um but maybe you should accept medical attention 
because I don't want you to die. You're way more important than I am. And the king is just like, um, he puts the the um, tail at her throat while she's talking. And he's just like, fine. Go get Pito. And then Pito comes and shows the um, his Dr. Blythe ability. Um, and he's using that to stitch his arm back on because that can be done while they're playing Gungi and he doesn't have to be interrupted for it. And this is really the pivotal moment um, in the arc because bringing Pito into the room and having him use his ability causes him to remove his N from the castle. Yes, because he needs so much N, uh, N to do the ability. So this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for um, Ral Novin, the hunter resistance, to get into the castle. And Ral um, Nov's ability um, to create doors and whatnot in his virtual house... Um, that has, I don't remember how many rooms, somewhere around a lot, 20 something, I don't know. But um, whenever anybody enters, they can only um, leave through one other door, but he can access every single door in the place. Yes. And he's basically going around um, setting doors um, in the castle and near the castle. Um, his plan is to, okay, I just need to get in so I can set up um, entrances in groups of threes so that we'll be able to access um, the castle without anybody knowing how we got in here. He's like, but if I get caught, um, even if I don't die somehow, they'll be ready to ambush us as soon as we exit the portal so I gotta be super stealthy about this and then he like he grabs this piece of bush and he jumps through <laughs> he jumps through these trees and every every tree he passes through he adds more bushes to him yes which just gets more ridiculous as soon as he um, gets close to the castle and you see that there are literally no trees around the castle no trees like there were there were trees and shrubbery Things like that around when he was further away, but as he gets closer, there's less and less. Okay, so his um, his ability, which is called hide and seek, um, for whatever reason, fourth dimensional mansion ha- is a basically a house with four stories and twenty one rooms, and he can put someone in one of those rooms and they just like not be able to get out. Um, and then also not be able to access anybody else that may be in there. So, that is cool. Oh, yeah. Since Yeah, he, it's like he has his own apartment complex. Yep. <laughs> and he has the master key to all the rooms, so that's the reason why he can... Um, he can enter, I guess, in East Corto and exit in York New if you wanted to. So it's like, it's like teleportation, but... He can realign any of the doors so they can lead basically wherever he's been before. Yes. Um, and the preview for this week's episode, um, at the end of this week's episode, hints at his uh, fighting ability, Scream. Uh, I think Gon says it in the preview, and I was just like, what the fuck is he talking about? Until I look here, and it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's kind of awesome. 
Oh, we missed the uh, the one other human in the house being all creepy like. Yeah. Um. Shit, I forgot his name. It starts with B. It's like some kind of representative or something. Um, but Diego is still alive. Yes. He's uh, you know, he's got the mind control juices flowing. But uh, he's alive. And uh, um, his undersecretary, I guess, was the one who was really controlling the country. Diego is just, you know, some fat guy eating all of his rich food and meanwhile being basically terrible at running a country. And this guy is the connection to the outside world. Um, He's the one who interfaces uh, with the United Nations of the world, um, as well as um, other countries individually, other major international organizations, things like that. And because he's indispensable, uh, when the king and them came in, they're just like, uh, okay, we can't do what you do without the outside world obviously knowing what, what's up. So we're going to let you live. And he's like, okay, that's fine, whatever. I'll do this work, but I kind of need more people. And I'll go ahead and apply uh, for them to hire like two or three, maybe secretaries that can do this work for me. So it'll go along a lot faster. And meanwhile, he gets this email that's like on the bodies you asked about. And I'm just like, that's that's just unsettling and, and strange. Yeah, it made it sound worse than it was, but it was still really bad. And he gets this list of these women, and he's like scrolling through, being incredibly perverted and creepy about it. Mm-hmm. And he finally selects, I think, five of them, including this woman named Tink- Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell. Which, yeah. Sure. And when he asks for the, for them to be sent, the person who answers the call is like. Okay, so your plan worked, Palm. And I'm like, how did I forget this? It's like, oh right, Palm does things. Yeah. She won't be forgotten just yet. So while Nov is trying to infiltrate the castle, Palm also has her own plan for doing the same. And though she probably should have let him know, right? <laughs> I mean, like, if he gets tortured, if he gets captured and tortured, and, like, they are able to, because, um, Nefropito's ability allows, um, him to read your, read your brain, basically. Mm -hmm. So, he would have been aware of her plan as well as their entire plan. That's true. That's true. So... But that's that's basically the two episodes. Um, with Leal, he just like walks off with the guys. As soon as Nob disappears, he's like, "Okay, well, I guess we'll be going after the other guy then. Let's go get Moral. Let's go get the guy that doesn't have portals. <laughs> it's much easier. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Gone, Knuckle shoot, still busy with their own plan. Yes. With uh, Mel- Meloron, something like that. Yeah. Those are the letters in his name. I really don't know how they're pronounced. Mm-hmm. I think this guy's name is like Biscuff. 
something. Yeah, that sounds like right. It. Yeah, yeah. But just, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, anything in particular you want to talk about from the two episodes? Hmm. I just really like how the um, how it keeps going between these Gungi matches, which uh, on the surface they seem kind of worth nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Like obviously we know what they are and stuff, but the normal person watching there that hasn't seen the manga, they're gonna think that okay, well that's great they're playing this game, but what's happening with everybody else? But I think that it's doing a really good job of um, of drawing people in, even though they can't tell what's happening. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, no one really can. No, like... We just know that she's really good at it. She's the best, that's all I know. But I think um, the way they've been using the atmosphere and the music, and of course, the, they remind us in this episode particularly, that, hey, even though they're playing this children's board game, um, and it seems as though everything's cool. The king really could still kill her at any moment. Or anyone. And we see when his anger is turned on Pufu for making a completely reasonable, like, demand. Yes. Of, hey, you're bleeding to death. You probably shouldn't be doing this. I get that you feel contrite because you tried to trick her, and she basically outwitted you without trying to, but this is bad. And he responded to that with violence. And the only reason why he decided to go along with what uh, Pufu wanted was because Kamugi also asked for the same thing. And I think this was the moment in the manga when, like, the shipper side of me turned on. And I was like, <laughs> I was like no! No, don't fall for this. This is such an easy trick. This is gonna end badly. And in the next few chapters, it was too late. I was already gone. Yep. But it it's doing this interesting thing of turning him from a, a one-dimensional character, uh, which is basically, I'm the most powerful being on Earth, and I'm going to create my kingdom regardless of what the humans think about it, um, to a person who is, even though it's it's only on a small scale, he's starting to see that there are there are feelings and forces in this world that he doesn't quite understand. And he's trying to understand that he's trying to figure them out. Whereas beforehand, he probably would have just dismissed them as foolishness. Yeah, and just immediately killed. As soon as he start, she started making him feel things. He probably would have killed her. Definitely. So I, honestly, I think that's the most interesting part about these two episodes: just the king's growth, mm-hmm. like seeing um, the plot move along with. Uh, 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 Nov, you know, getting these portals ready for the assault, uh, morale, you know, outwitting Chitu. Yep. Like, that's cool. But, like, this... Like, the king is just such a personality that it kind of out, outweighs everything. Yep. And my favorite thing about this arc in particular, and Hunter Hunter as a whole is that it really shows how the king, who in any other story would have just 
been portrayed as this thoroughly, completely black, completely evil character with no redeemable qualities. He just basically would have been this force of evil that the heroes have to defeat and be enriched and become more powerful from having fought him. Where he, whereas he started out like that is from the moment he was born, he tried to eat one of his guys and he killed the other one. And so we're automatically given this image of him as just like viciously evil and incredibly powerful. But through these matches with Kamugi, through his interactions with her, he's growing into someone um, where by the time the heroes do eventually show up, it's just like, okay, you guys need to go away. We kind of we kind of beca- begin to be rooting for the king. And it's just like, I see what's going to happen because it has to. Yes. But I don't want it. Mm-hmm. And every one of the characters we've really been introduced to from the very beginning, all of the fighting characters anyway, they were all presented to us in shades of gray. Even the people who we think, because gone, they're constantly saying like he has this light, he's so innocent. But he's along the way, he's made a ton of like brutal decisions. And the fact that he's kept smiling and kept being innocent, like really makes him seem sort of sociopathic. Um... Because he he's able, once he justifies it in his mind, he's just able to kill things and people just like, or allow people to die. In Un- front of him, yeah. Unless it's someone that he's decided should be forgiven. Um, like in the case of the bomber, because like, like of all yeah. people, like they should be murdered. But he's just like, no, you know, I get why he was doing what he was doing. Whatever. Everyone just wants to be rid of this game and money. And once he wins, he's like, well, it doesn't matter to me if you guys are going to arrest him or whatever, that's fine. But all the injuries I inflicted on him should be healed and his friends shouldn't be allowed to die. And you're like, but they killed people. They killed lots of people. Not just one or two people. Some of these people were your friends. Mm. Like, I could see letting them die, but, you know, God was cool with saving them. And in fact, that was his plan in the first place. I'm sure Killer would have let them die. Oh, yeah. Killer would have murdered them himself. It'd be good. But it's... It's really cool to see a, a hero that's not 110% good and gonna stick to the this idea of nobody has to die ever again unless, you know, old age or cancer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And to see a villain who, on the other hand is occasionally like, well, maybe this one human could live. I'll be fine with that. Like, fuck everyone else. <laughs> all, all of humanity can die, but this one person is okay. And it's interesting to see, because um, it's mentioned um, when Nov is trying to sneak into the palace, that they don't trust humans other than the, the three that are currently alive in Komogi in Diego. They need for appearances' sake and in the, the secretary that they've kept alive and basically all of the soldiers are kept away from the castle because because they don't pay attention to the humans i doubt they'll know who belongs there from who doesn't yes so they're like if people are around we'll get infiltrated and we'll get killed so no people and we don't trust any of these other ants as far as we can throw them because as soon as the king showed up and he killed peggy and the turtle and the queen Everyone was basically like, okay, fuck this guy. 
were out and they all scattered around the world. And the only people who came back to them were people who wanted something um, that they could only achieve through aligning themselves with the king. In Leo's case, he, he wants to be the king. So he figures, hey, if I continue operating in the background, I get to know these people, get to be able to borrow their powers. I'll be able to take over from the king, especially once I see whatever his ability is. If I stick around long enough, I may be able to save his life or whatever, do something that qualifies as a favor. Me shine his hat. And <laughs> you're like, oh, thank you, Lee Hall. I owe you. <laughs> so they've basically decided that the ones they hate and they trust the least. They're giving them missions that they believe they're going to fail just in the hope that, you know, they die and it would be just, e- just be easier to get rid of them that way. So it's really interesting to see that outside of the Royal Guard, uh, they don't really trust anybody. And that kind of allows you to understand why uh, Pufu is beginning to be so suspicious of Kamugi. Despite her having no ulterior motives whatsoever. Yeah. So. Um, anything else you want to... I mean, we, we got to see another example of a uh, new time slot change. Yep. With the blood on the king. Though, I mean, king isn't a human, so I guess it doesn't really count. It doesn't. But it's fine. I guess we we didn't quite see him like. It makes it look like he doesn't have any bones, because he like. Well, he is an ant. Yeah, I know they have exoskeleton and all that, but like, um, it just shows him grabbing, and then you hear the pulling noise and the blood on her face. Yeah, but it and... doesn't seem like an exoskeleton at the same time because when he grabbed, when he was grabbing his arm just to demonstrate, um. Uh, I guess now when you think about it, I don't know who he was demonstrating it to, because mm-hmm. like she can't see. But he kind of gripped his arm to be like, "Yeah, if you lose, I'll take your left arm," and you can kind of see like his fingers, uh, the indent, mm-hmm. indentation. So it seems like there's some kind of, some kind of I guess muscle or something there. Yep. Either that or like he's just so powerful he can just rip his arm off in like a clean sweep. <laughs> But he, like, pulls, and you you don't see what's left when he pulled the arm off. Because, yeah. like, poof, it cuts away to show the blood on her face. And then Poofu comes over and rips off his sleeve and ties off the arm. And the next time you see it, like, the arm is tied off, even though it's, it's still bleeding heavily. So, like, I feel like we see, like, some kind of, like, not entrails, but, like, kind of, like, veiny type stuff mm-hmm. hanging out. That's about it. But, um... Next week episode, like I mentioned, there is going to be Morale fighting uh, one of the ants using his ability um, Scream. Bomb is going to take her trip to the castle in East Gorto. So things are beginning to come together. We're getting close to the moment when they're finally going to infiltrate the castle. I think Gon Killua, um, Gon mentions that Killua is not in the preview, so he's like talking to Nov, and Nov is like, "Why am I here?" It's like because Killua is unavailable. Because you're my new friend. <laughs> Just, oh no, I gotta go forever. <laughs> Let me go and get myself killed. 
Oh. Yes. And of course, Knuckles shoot Maloran. They're all, I guess, going to appear. I'm not sure. Definite, definitively, if they are, but they're all yeah. in the preview. Uh, and we do have to get back to whatever Kill was doing, which is not dying. Um, and of course, everyone else. We can't. It, 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 even though we want it to be, it can't all be Gungi. Yeah, it can't. Other things happen. We yeah. swear. Is that there's still those spoilers in the opening theme? And the ending themes and just all over the place outside yeah. of the episode. Yeah. So, again, even though you guys aren't using the email addresses and stuff for some strange reason. Because it, you probably think we're dead. We're not dead, um, sadly. We're not, we're not dead and neither is Crunk. No. So the email address is hxhpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us at twitter.com slash hxhpodcast and facebook.com slash hxhpodcast. You can also send us a voicemail at 954-324-7722, 954-324-SSAA. We'd like to thank you guys for listening, even though I don't know when this episode is going to come out. My guess is going to be like February. Yeah, or like, I don't know, sometime during some kind of, I don't know, I guess Christmas holiday type deal, maybe. By then, we'll probably be doing, like, our recap on this whole arc by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> yeah. So that's gonna be weird. The anime will already have been cancelled. <laughs> It'll already run out of material, so. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for listening, even though the updates are infrequent. And we'll catch you guys next time. Later.